Please leave me a rating and a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever. Thank you. So what was buying weed like in Oregon for you? Was it a dream come true? It it really was. There's like all these things that I dreamed of as a kid that like, you know, came true. Like when I was in high school, it's like, I wish you could just buy a pack of joints, man. One day you're going to be able to buy a pack of joints. And I went there, I saw a pack of joints. I was like, oh my God, dreams come true. Deep in the bowels of the Target Center, beneath the basketball court slash stage slash arena, I interviewed Brave Crow, broadcast technician, introvert, and zero shit taker. They showed me the row of computers, wires, and cables used to wrangle the chaos of competition into a viewable event and broadcast around the world. Very cool. Hopefully this interview is at least a listenable event. Um, welcome to your eulogy, the podcast where I talk to someone about their life so that I can talk to them about their death. Today's interview is with Brave Crow, my friend. Here is their self, their bio from Instagram. Two Spirit, Lakota, writer, biker, artist, engineer, my heart comes from Standing Rock, free poems. Do you still agree with that bio as <laughs> yeah, of now? Yes, pretty good bio. <laughs> yeah. I would like to add introvert. Yes, I think that's what I connect with you the most. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let's take a a moment to do a little bit of education. I don't think most people know what two spirit or two spirited means. Oh yeah. Would you um, like to do a little play a little dictionary for me? Yeah. So um, two spirit is a term that was created in around 1990 at a conference in Canada. Um, at a meeting of uh, multiple tribes, they decided that um, for a long time after colonization, like the two-spirit identity disappeared. So in different tribes, it's called different things. You know, we all have our own words for what that means. Um, Lakota, we have Winkte and Weambloka, which um, Weambloka is actually uh, translates to like brave woman. So the gender structure in the Plains tribes is like more connected to the job that you do. So like being two-spirited means that you're like, you were born this way, but you do the job of the, like the other gender, but it's also sacred. So like, um, in, in a lot of ways on the reservation I'm from, it's like two spirits are uh, responsible for the spirits of children and like protecting them. A lot of times they would like marry same-sex widows and take care of the kids and like hunt for them and and whatnot. So, mm. um, so like male is associated with hunter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then women do just like all the other jobs. So like women are also like super revered. Um, it's a matriarchal society. So um, being a woman is like really an honorable thing. And I think that like since I don't plan to create life at all. It's like, I don't feel like I deserve that title. So I'm somewhere like in between, huh. you know? And like my goals in life are to like, you know, help save those kids who like those indigenous kids who like don't have family or whatever. So me and my partner plan to like foster kids at some point so we can keep them 
out of like homes that aren't culturally educated, I guess. Right now we're doing something that um, if it wasn't for an interview in which I had asked you about um, would be considered emotional labor. Mm, yeah. Right? Um, how do, And I feel that you've had trouble online um, turning that down. And I mean, the term, it hasn't even been commonplace for very long. Mm-hmm. Just the idea that I can see you as a native person and then pestering you with a bunch of questions yeah. and asking you about your personal life. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what's that been like? Um, it's interesting because uh, it took me a while to like realize what emotional labor was and like how it affected me. And like um, in a lot of ways, I grew up in a place where my sisters and I were the only indigenous people around in Iowa. So um, I felt almost obligated to like answer these kind of questions all the time. And I realized at some point it like kind of put me into this tokenized category that I didn't really want to be in. And I realized, like, I'm giving people, like, college-level education on things, things that, like, they can Google if they really <laughs> want to try, you know? Um, so, and you know, and they don't ask, hey, where can I find this information? They're, they're just, like, asking you, like, for your opinion as their one Native friend, you know? Yeah, and, and all of a sudden you're speaking for yeah, everyone. Yeah, exactly, which is, like, uh, not a thing I really want to do. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, you know? And it's like, I think it's an education that should be paid for um, if it's not, you know, given freely. If you're like asking for it, I don't know. You should consider it. I don't know. Like if you're asking people about topics related to genocide, you should at least buy them some tacos, I think. Um, yeah. Speaking of honeys, you just got married. I did. I eloped. It was great. We were a little worried about the Supreme Court. <laughs> <laughs> we beat them. That's so great. What was um? How um? Yeah, I, I'm just so enchanted with your relationship because it seems seems to be so filled with love and joy. Um, uh, how, how did you two come together? Um, they messaged me on the internet before, <laughs> before I got rid of Facebook. Um, there was, we had this like, uh, outfit group called Outfit of the Gay where all the queers would like just post their cute outfits and everyone would like it. And oh, it was like it. really great because like there's no politics. Everyone was just like supporting each other and there's just like all kinds of like body types and styles from like around the world. So it's pretty great. And we were, we were like liking each other's pics back and forth for a while. And finally they messaged me on Valentine's Day <laughs> and I'm sitting here at work and I get this message and I was so surprised because I thought they were way out of my league. I was just like crushing from afar. Like I looked around, I like looked behind me because <laughs> I thought it was like a prank or something. <laughs> but yeah, and then we just like fell in love super fast and it was great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing you said in the pre-interview surveys, you said that you two have a bond because you both lost fathers or mm-hmm. um your grandfather who um was your father essentially yeah yeah um uh, i have so little reference f- for losing a father because my 
my dad has always been fairly stable in my life, and I certainly take him for granted. Um, can you speak to that about what what the, that type of loss feels like? Well, um, for both of us, it happened really young. It happened around the same age. We were both about nine or ten. Um, so it was, like, it was just really um, an interesting time in your life to like lose a parent because it's a lot earlier than a lot of your friends lose their parents. Um, I don't know. It's like I was young enough that it didn't affect me as much as I think it would as an adult. Um, it's pretty easy to dissociate from that now, but like there's just like always kind of this hole where you think like, you know, would have, would he have liked me as an adult? Would I have liked him? Like mm. what, what was his personality actually like? Cause like when you're 10, you don't really know adults like you do when you're an adult. So I just kind of have this, like, he's just like up on this pedestal all the time. You know, huh. It's weird. Yeah. Do you feel like you're in a good place now? Um, in terms of like mental health, being happy, feeling good about yourself? Oh yeah. Yeah. I feel great. Um, in that question, I guess I'm <laughs> alluding to a time when you weren't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm trying well, to get some like, juicy, sad shit yeah. out of you. Which I don't, it, it, there's, a, there's a weird thing about interviewing people where part of you, <clears throat> part of what I do is exploiting parts, you know? Mm. So it's, it's like you try to do it in a way that the person wants to talk about it so we can all benefit from it. But sometimes I just feel kind of icky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, my mental health journey, journey is like really like long and interesting, but um, I see, I used to think of it as like something that was just like always like seething underneath the surface. And now I think of it more as like um, almost like eczema, like it flares up sometimes, <laughs> you know, and like, so sometimes I'm cool and like sometimes I'm like, I think I, I'll go back to therapy for a little bit, you know, like, I, I'm, I don't know. Yeah, it's like a flaring up disease to me in my mind now. Yeah which I think is a much more healthy way to think about it. You know, I don't, I don't think about it as like, oh, I have to take a pill for my anxiety every day or I have to like go to therapy forever. You know, it's just like a thing I do when I get sick. Like when you get a cold and you go get antibiotics. And do you experience like panic attacks? Oh yeah, yeah. I've had some panic attacks in my life for sure. I also have like this, this dissociative form of anxiety so it's, it gets really bad I go into like a fugue state and like that's really um, terrifying for me personally because I really like to remain in control of myself which is why I like to smoke more than I like to drink so um, it's weird to like lose track of time huh that's yeah. interesting what does it feel like when you're in a state like that is it just like your normal motivations kind of disappear and you're kind of like floating through life or you like you lose your your sense of identity you know like you're not mentally there you're just like you're you completely dissociate from yourself and like you know I don't remember what I do really like one time the worst time was I took just like a bike ride in the middle of the night and like I woke up outside and, then I, and I went immediately to therapy because I was like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was probably the scariest one. Yeah. When you said lost your identity, um, it got me thinking about how I as a white man, a white cis man, um, like the cultural default for like America, mm. um, you know, not rightfully, but you know, through violence and whatnot. And there's a funny thing is when you are that, you kind of lose an identity. Um, 
<clears throat> because you're just kind of like this blank canvas of like, you know, this thing. You, you're not forced to think about it because you're not persecuted. Mm. Um, you have a lot of identities. Um, some, um, and I wonder, I was just wondering how, how that feels or is just me categorizing you like that is just another form of me reducing you into a collection of um, identities. Oh, I, I like my identities. I feel, uh, it helps me like, you know, define who I am as a person and like where I am. Um, but uh, when you think, when you talk about like being like a white person in this culture, like, you know, I'm part white, but like not white enough to like kind of always forget about it. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I always thought it was interesting because I, I think like the, where a lot of that like anger and racism comes from in white people is the fact that they are lumped into just they don't have a culture here in america they're just white you know they're not swedish or you know they're not they don't have like folk songs and art to connect to they're just like this erased kind of lump of whiteness which would be sad you know it'd be sad i think to have to identify with that but i think that you know, a lot of that healing can come from, you know, finding, like, who are your ancestors? Where did they come from? Like, what art and songs and things did they believe, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that whiteness is um, kind of a cop-out for, like, not having the energy to research your culture, I guess. Because, uh, again, you don't, you don't really have to think about it when it's not, like, persecuted. It's interesting. That's a good point. White, being white is different than um, another race or a culture because it, it is a such a power based race. It's mm. um, I I just got all of my family members for Christmas this book or all of my siblings this book called How the Irish Became White. Mm, yeah. <laughs> because my family's all about our Irish heritage because we're part Irish and part German and not too proud of the German thing. <laughs> So we really lean on the Irish thing. Um, but, you know, Irish history in America isn't perfect. And, and yeah, yeah, there, there was a... I mean, like most of history, nothing is completely coordinated by, you know, a couple people. But there was a general trend of Irish people um, being against abolition and then being against um, freed black people so that, you know, we could rise up because we were went from the you know, the lowest yeah. rung so that we could get up a little bit higher. Um, which is not, the, you know, my proudest cultural moment, but, <laughs> you know, Ireland has, you know, a really crazy history. Um, yeah. Like 800 years of British occupation was just like, you know, made like a really crazy collection <laughs> of yeah. like culture. My favorite, um, my favorite little story though is... Uh, I don't. Not, not a lot of people know this, but a lot of indigenous tribes uh, came together and raised a bunch of money during the the blight in Ireland and sent them money. And then they built a really beautiful statue about it. Yeah, yeah. This briefly familiar. Maybe I saw that from. Maybe you showed me that um, indirectly on online or something. Yeah. Um, that's beautiful. Another Instagram quote. <laughs> I'm glad I never went through a boy phase because they sound like way too much emotional labor. Oh, yeah. I agree. I think, <laughs> I think one of the things about being, uh, especially a white cis dude, is, is, you know, you're really, even though we control everything, 
we're really limited. <laughs> and so it makes us like really fucking crazy because we can't be emotional. We don't understand emotions. We don't understand our own sexuality. Yeah. If you like fat women, you, you, you're not allowed to. And so you're, you think like you're weird or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very complicated, I think, to be a man in this society. I was watching like a Spanish um, teen drama the other day. Uh, what's it called? It's called Elite. It's on Netflix. Oh, I see. Yeah, and it, I was like, oh my god, our culture is so homophobic because these dudes are like hugging each other all the time and telling each other that they love each other. You know, and, like that would never happen. <laughs> and like, if you if you want to <laughs> love your friend as a dude, you gotta you know end it with like, I love you, man. <laughs> yeah, I love you. I mean, fuck no you. homo. <laughs> no homo. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, I see it with my sisters and uh, like my roommates a lot. Or it's just like they constantly like have to work at like getting the emotions out of men. Where it's just like where me and my partner, we're just like constantly talking about our feelings. You know? Yeah, and it's nice because we always know where each other stand, and we know like like the stupid little things that hurt each other, like the things that like don't make any sense. But you're like, you know, this makes me feel angry for no apparent reason. I don't know. Like, Let's not do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I, I think I've, you know, certainly grew up feeling a bit emotionally starved um, <clears throat> because I wasn't able to, like, you know, express that to my my guy friends, um, which are most of my friends. Um, I, when I lived in Korea, <clears throat> I would see old men, like, just holding hands. Cute. And, and Korea is very uh, homophobic. They're not... For, um, it's almost they're so homophobic that you can hold hands because like being gay doesn't really exist. No. <laughs> I, I could be wrong. I mean, that's kind of what some people told me and kind of what mm-hmm. I experienced when I lived there. But, you know, I certainly don't know what Korean culture is doing. But it was great because like you'd see best friends holding yeah. hands, you know, just leaning on each other, you know, yeah. just it's like dudes can't even like touch each other in this society. They can't even like eat a banana in yeah. public. <laughs> that's sad. Like you got to like cut up your <laughs> banana <laughs> it's really depressing to me. I don't know. Uh, but like, uh, I feel like, you know, they're, they're convinced that they, they shouldn't have emotions. But then when you go to a sports game, you see all the emotions. They're like crying, they're screaming, they're yelling. And I'm like, that's an emotion. Like anger is an emotion. Like you're yeah. emotional. <laughs> Recognize that. It's okay. Yeah, which is where we are. I, I forgot to do a proper intro. We mm-hmm. are in the Mayo, Mayo Square. Well, well, we were. Now we're in the basement of Target Center. We are under the basketball arena. Okay. Yeah. Where you work as a um, broadcast IT? Yeah, broadcast IT IT engineer, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Making all of these stuff um, go together. It's it's an operation down here. Yeah, it's it's cool. I like it down here. I I just hide in the basement all the time. It's perfect for an introvert. (laughs) Just like (laughs) sit down here and fix stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Part of this <laughs> podcast is um, is an optional eulogy. Are you interested in doing one? Uh, sure. Like, I don't know what that entails, but it sounds fun. Well, we could do. Um, we could take a break, and you could write a little paragraph. Um, you could do a poem. You could do a letter. You could do a bullet point list of things you liked about your life. Yeah, I got a. I got a whole. I mean, that, Instagram. That is. Oh yeah. Um, brave. Pro- brave crow a tree. Brave crow tree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. It's mostly um 
like indigenous themed poems. Well, this one's pretty relevant though. It's like I wrote this poem. When did I write it? A couple days ago, two days ago. Instagram says it's uh, it's about genocide. You know, it's just irrelevant, I guess, to today. Mm. <laughs> um, says it's called How to Make Genocide Palatable. Bake it into a cake. Feed it to people in small bits between it's not your faults. Spread frosting on top of it. Ask first if they're diabetic. Spoon feed it like medicine. Don't let them resist that which you spent so long driving to the store to buy. Here comes the airplane. Here comes the covered wagons. Here come trails of tears. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for giving our lives. No value. Dessert is nothing to fear. Write congratulations on top of the cake. In bright red like blood, like redskins, like unrecognized sin. Spoon feed it again. Ask if they're lactose intolerant. Add ice cream. Add sprinkles to break up the lies. To distract from the murderous truth. When they try to convince you they are full, don't believe them. Surely they want more sweetness. It's for their own good. Inside they want this to eat their guilt with gleeful gluttony. Ignore their pleading. Wasichus always want more feeding. Let them eat cake. Well, this has been your eulogy. My name is Matthew Schneeman. I did the music and edited and produced this episode. Thank you to Brave Crow for coming on. If you have any questions, you can email me at youreulogymail at gmail.com. I just learned that my email sounds confusing because it's your eulogy mail. (laughs) No, your eulogy mail. You you googly. (laughs) Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. And if you're still listening, thanks again. <laughs> I, I Send me emails. Tell me what your preferences for the show is. I don't get a lot of feedback, and I don't know what people prefer in terms of length, subject matter, focus to focus, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, as you heard in the beginning, leave a rating and review. That's helpful to me. That's so all I got. If you've listened to podcasts, you've heard this all before. So, you know, it's the, uh, it's the canticle that every podcaster must, must perform. Engage me, leave a review. Thank you. (laughs) 